0: Well, good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> we want to welcome you all here today for this uh, Thanksgiving service for the life of our dear brother David Venard Knox. It's a sad occasion, and yet it's a, an occasion that is triumphant, because we know that today, although David has gone from us, he's now with the Lord and in His presence. Uh, where there's fullness of joy and at his right hand where there are pleasures forevermore so David is at home with the Lord and in his real home we want to extend our deepest heartfelt sympathy to May May and David were married for a long period of time and no doubt May will miss David very much they were very close they did everything together, and we just want May to know that our thoughts and our prayers are with her today, and not only today, but will be in the days that lie ahead in the will of the Lord. It's nice to have uh, representatives here today from the Siemens Christian Friend Society with which David was associated for over 40 years. It's good to have Jay with us from Dublin and to have Colin Jenkins with us from Cork and Sam Cowan from Belfast. And it's just uh, a joy that they have been able to be here today for this Thanksgiving service. David was a a unique man in many ways. Uh, He was one who served the Lord with all his heart. And even in the uh, latter days of his life, when he was in the Ulster Hospital in Dundonald, and when his voice was very weak, David was still witnessing for the Lord Jesus, telling others about him and what what the Lord meant to David and urging them to put their trust in the Saviour. So he was witnessing right up to the last uh, moments of his life. That was the sort of man he was. You wouldn't have been in David's company too long until he would have been speaking about the Lord whom he loved and served. I got to know David more than 45 years ago and uh, I count him as a very, very dear friend. One that... uh, I enjoyed many happy times with. I have many happy memories of David. I remember him coming with seamen to our home many a time uh, on a Sunday evening. And we used to have some great times together. He was a wonderful man and he will be much missed. Uh, Our dear brother David here on my right will be uh, speaking a little bit more about David, about his uh, work with the Siemens Christian Friends Society and, and I'll not uh, say very much more about it at this juncture and I'll leave that to David to elaborate a little bit more later on. But we want you to know that you're all very welcome here today and uh, I want to, just at this juncture too, to thank all those who uh, phoned the home, sent cards, contacted me, at the home by calling there. She appreciates that so much and she wants me to make that known to you all today. She also wants me, uh, on her behalf, to thank the doctors from the Knock uh, Medical Centre in Belfast who attended to David and were so uh, faithful to him during his lengthy illness uh, we May also would like me to thank the doctors and nurses of the Belfast City Hospital and the, the Ulster Hospital at Dundonald, where again David got very good care when he had to visit those hospitals. The district nurses who called at the home and attended to him and the carers who also called may want you all to know that uh, she appreciated all that you did for David during those uh, days when he was so weak and unable to do very much for himself. So it's good to see you all and we thank you for coming today and we trust the Lord will bless you uh, this afternoon as we uh, continue with this thanksgiving service for David. Now we're going to open with the hymn When My Life Work is Ended and I Cross the Swelling Tide When the Bright and Glorious Morning I Shall See I Shall Know My Redeemer When I Reach the Other Side And His Smile Will Be the First to Welcome Me And after Priscilla has played uh, the the opening bars of this hymn uh, will stand and sing from our hearts uh, when my life's work is ended. seen Now our brother uh, Brooke Mullen who has known David and May for a long time will open our service this afternoon in prayer and uh, that will be followed by a scripture reading by Nelson Logan. Nelson and Winifred have uh, been close friends of David and May's and uh, Nelson's going to read the scriptures and then after that our brother David Farrell will bring a tribute and also a message from God's word. David is an elder here in Crescent Church and has been a a close friend of David and May's over many years so it's good to have David uh, to speak to us later on. So I'm going to ask Brooke now just to come and open in prayer.
1: pray. Our Father, it is with mixed emotions that we have come together this afternoon in this service of thanksgiving. For while we sorrow deeply at the loss of our esteemed brother David, we rejoice in his elevation to glory for he has now entered into the reality of what Paul wrote when he said that to depart and to be with Christ would be better by far. And that is David Knox's happy portion today. He has reached his desired haven. But as we look back over his life, we have to bring to you our thanks for one who faithfully and fully followed in the path that you had marked out for him, his many travels, the lives he touched, and his unswerving commitment to your word and to the worldwide gospel. As your servant of old, David too, served his own generation by the will of God. May we follow the example that he has left for us. We bring to you just now his dear wife, May, who has lovingly cared for him, especially during these last difficult months. Be to her today all that she needs. Surround her with your love, And may she be conscious in the days ahead of the continuing prayers and support of her many friends, not only in this country, but of those all around the world. And so as we commit the remainder of the service to you, give help, we pray, to all who will take part. And as David brings to us your word, challenge all of our hearts so that we too will not only live for you as David Knox did, but would, like him, finish well. All of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: And I just join with you all in offering our sympathy as a family may to you today. We've all lost a dear friend. Uh, I've been asked by David Fowle just to read two passages. I think you'll see the connection with the sea in both of them. The first one is in the Old Testament and it's found in Psalm 107. I'm reading the first three verses and then verses 23 to the end. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the land's from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then... They were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Our reading in the New Testament is from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love of which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so... Having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek.
3: Thank you, you, Nelson and Brooke. At the outset, I wish to express my deepest condolences to you, May, to the wider family circle, to all who love David Knox as a friend, as an uncle, and as a brother in Christ. You will be missed by all who had the privilege of knowing you. And could I take a moment, just May, to thank you for caring so tenderly for David over these long periods of illness. Truly, you set an example for us all. Thank you. Today would have been David's 87th birthday. And it's a blessing for me to have known David Knox all of my life. He's one of the few people who I could say carried me as a baby. My father and David worked together in the corporation, And when David became a Christian at the age of 16, my father, who was a couple of years older than him, in his age and also in his Christian faith, taught and grounded David in his Christian faith. My father and David were firm friends, frequently appearing together in old family wedding photographs, and they always had a great and lasting affection for each other. I love to go over and visit David in May and sit by David and glean much of my father's early life in the conversations which I would have had with David, sitting there together in the armchair in Johnson Court. I never came away from a meeting with David without feeling that I had been in the presence of a good and kind and able Christian gentleman. He was gracious, outgoing and cheerful, and there was always a twinkle in his eye, He had a wonderful sense of humor. He was extremely knowledgeable on any subject, was a shrewd and perceptive judge of character. He had a deep love of mission, and his knowledge and love of the seamen who visited our port in Belfast was deep and comprehensive, and he had many friends around the world. I remember visiting David many years ago when he was recovering from surgery and at that time living in Carrickfergus. He was sitting in the lounge, looking out through the window of his apartment. The window was shaped like a porthole. And he was watching the ships going up and down the lock. He knew each of them. He knew where they were coming from, and he knew where they were going. David told me when he was recovering from that surgery that he received 800 get-well cards, predominantly from people and seamen from all over the world. David's whole way of life sprang from his Christian faith. He had a deep faith, which showed itself in his family life, in his high standards of personal conduct, in his commitment to serving his Lord and his love for personal evangelism. At our recent elders' meeting on Monday night, we were reflecting on the life of David Knox, and it was commented by one of my fellow elders that we had possibly witnessed the life of the greatest evangelist, This church has had the privilege of knowing. And this church has been around for 150 years. David Knox became a Christian in 1948. Initially in 1950, he was involved in the floating Christian Seaman through his work in the Lord Street City Mission Christian Endeavor. But in 1970, he was invited to apply for a position in the Seaman's Christian Friends Society, which had its headquarters in London. He was invited to London for an interview, and in 1971 he became the first port missionary for Belfast and served in that capacity until the year 2000. Of course, David did not do this work on his own. He was initially supported by his wife, Eleanor, who sadly passed away at a relatively young age. And over the last 28 years, he's been very much supported by his wife, May. It's been very much a joint work. May and earlier Elner opened their home to the seamen whom David would unexpectedly bring home. May has been his constant support and mainstay during these many years of marriage together. David and May have been members of Crescent Church for many years. Before coming to the Crescent Church, David was an elder in Ballymacarrot Presbyterian Church and joined the Crescent Church over 40 years ago. In 1991, his wife May joined him, and they have been in happy fellowship with us for all of those years. Frequently, while he was able, his voice would fill this auditorium. He used to sit in the back seat to your left, to my left. His voice would fill this auditorium. As he spoke to as he stood to speak or to pray during the breaking of bread service. His love for his Saviour was never more evident than when he rose to pray in public. One of David's requests for the format of this service that it would not focus on him and would not be lengthy. I personally knew that he disliked lengthy or frequent tributes at funerals or thanksgiving services. He would always say that he would rather that our attention would be drawn to his Saviour, whom he trusted and loved. So let me remind you again of some verses which were read for us in Psalm 107. It says this at the beginning of the psalm. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. He is gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and the south. From that introduction to Psalm 107, we are taken to the story of a wanderer in a desert, then the story of a captive in a prison, and then the story of a guilt-ridden man who needs healing, and finally to the story of a seafarer. After each of these four accounts, we hear the same line, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and God brought them out of their distress. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. I realize, and I'm taking the text slightly out of context of the psalm when I draw this parallel, but the psalmist says that people are from the east and the west, from the north and the south. David told me that he had spoken to people from 190 countries. He reckoned every country in the known world. And the following extract from his writing recollects such a meeting. Here's what he wrote in 1994. Towards the end of the year, our dockland sparked at the sight of the Arcadia in all her splendor. This was a luxury cruise liner brought to Belfast dry dock to undergo a refitting exercise. Work had to be completed in 11 days. So it was all hands on deck with no sitting back for the port missionary either. Security was tight, but I sought and got a special pass to visit the crew of 650, which was quite an assignment. Time ran out, and I only got talking to 505. David spoke to 505 crew in 10 days. Even I can work out that that's 50 a day. Again, he says, the Harris dropped its anchor. My thoughts were confirmed when I went on board to discover a huge crew from Goa, Togo, Ukraine, Russia, Bulgaria, and the Philippines. The cook who was from Togo had been to gospel meetings in other ports, and so I was the next to link in the chain. Others had sown the seed, but I had the joy of seeing him. Trust Christ. Let's look back to Psalm 107. Focusing on the story of the seafarer, it says in verse twenty-three: "Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business in great waters, they see the wonders of the the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep." First thing I want to say is a reason why a seafarer looks for a safe haven. It's because he's engaged in commerce, in the business of the sea. His job is to get that cargo into a safe haven. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships do business. And even today, the the seafarers' role is incredibly important. Uh, Even with air travel, 90% of our commerce is done by sea. And there will be people here this afternoon who have served on the ships and who move along our coastline. And for that, we are very grateful. But I want to move from commerce. Even as we express our gratitude for the business of the sea, we need to consider the challenge of the sea. The commercial side of shipping wishes a ship to arrive safely at a desired haven or harbor. But when we read Psalm 107, we realize that in those days boats were quite small and even a medium-sized wave was potentially terrifying. We have one of the great accounts of a storm And if you're a seaman or if you've ever been on a boat, you will recognize exactly the words that the psalmist used. He raises a stormy wind which lifts up the sea to the heaven. They mount up to the heavens. They go down to the depths, and their soul melts because of the trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men. They're at their wit's end. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. I know that even today, big winds and strong winds are still the challenge of the sea. But things have changed a little since those days of two and a half thousand years ago. While people at sea face storms, physical storms, they also face storms in their personal life. Some people who go to sea live quite an isolated and lonely life, they miss family. And even with modern technology, they experience loneliness. They can't wait to get home to their familiar harbor to be greeted by those whom they love. For them, we can understand why a haven is important. David, in his role as port missionary, met many who were struggling, facing difficulty with life. And he tried everything he could to bring comfort and help into that situation. He talked of bringing a quiet 16-year-old lonely boy off the ship and taking him to get fish and chips at his favorite chippy, the Bethany in East Belfast. He talked about providing letters from children to the seamen, which they had specially written. Of taking Christmas gifts in small parcels. He talked about the men he counseled who were furious, facing serious problems at home and, and even while they were on board this ship. He was there. He was always a listening ear. At times, miles from home, David was the next best thing to a safe haven. But there is another dimension. Beyond commerce and the perils of the sea. The seafarer needs Christ. In the midst of all that he is facing while traveling around the globe, working for commerce, missing family life, he or she realizes that there is a spiritual emptiness, something that not even the excitement of the sea can fill. Perhaps the psalmist is referring to this storm, a spiritual storm, whenever he is facing Our men are facing the problems of the sea. The psalmist says, They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and God brought them out of their distress. David's desire was that each seaman he spoke to would find a safe haven. In the words of the psalmist, he wanted to guide them towards that safe haven. He said, I love to tell the story to every seafarer who comes. We yearn for them all to be gathered into the kingdom. I seek his guidance day by day in his will that I may proclaim the message of salvation to seafarers around the world. Let me read to you a letter I received. It was to be read at this service today and it's from Lawrence Tong, and May will know Lawrence very well. Lawrence says this. I first met David when the doulos visited Belfast in 1979. I was working in the program office organizing teams that went out for evangelism and church meetings. David Knox was one of those who came faithfully to take teams with him to visit the crew on board the ship's docked nearby. Many of them came from my part of the world, Lawrence at present is in Singapore. I would often join him in those visits, and that's how our friendship started. I would remember, and here it is again, he would take us out for fish and chips. I'm pretty sure evangelism was our motivation, but fish and chips played an important part in getting us out in that cold February evening. We have kept in regular contact all these years, with him visiting us in Singapore and vice versa. What started off as evangelism developed into a friendship that has lasted, to this day, 40 years. Among the many spiritual lessons David taught me was his love of our Savior, followed by his passion for evangelism. His friendly, affable, and jovial sense of humor had a winsome way to put people at ease and paved the way to share our faith. I love going out with him to share the faith. It may, he made it look so natural. He helped me overcome my fear to share the gospel with strangers, and for that I am eternally grateful. The Lord used David so wonderfully in my life. Whenever I think of him, my heart is filled with warmth and inspiration. He was such a beautiful brother, and I want to learn from his fine example. Blessings in Christ, especially today. Lawrence Tong. Lawrence Tong is the International Director of Operation Mobilization, or OM as more commonly known today. He leads one of the largest missionary organizations in the Christian world. It works in every region of the world and on every ocean. And Lawrence says I loved going out with him to share the faith. He made it look so natural. He helped me overcome my fear to share the gospel with strangers. And for that I am forever grateful. David Knox talked about his Savior on those ships, great and small. The Silver Cloud was a beautiful cruise liner. It was too beautiful. David didn't like going on pretty ships. When I was invited to lunch, it was a grand affair. A young stewardess who was a Christian from the Philippines accompanied me. And she in turn introduced me to another lady, a ship's nurse from Haiti, whom I pointed to Christ. It was very worthwhile. And in contrast, the container ship Johanna was replacing the regular ship plying these waters. The crew were from all over the world and included Jay from Sri Lanka, who had been reading a Bible given to him at some time before. But he couldn't understand this big book. It was thrilling to see him trust Christ as we opened over the as we poured over the open Bible, and I explained the way to salvation. David Knox introduced Christ to thousands of seafarers from across the globe. Many of them came to faith. Many have found a spiritual home. Many have found that safe haven. The psalmist says, he caused the storm to be still, so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them into their safe haven. That depicts rescue. People in the desert in the psalm found the city. The people in prison in the psalm were set free. Those who were sick with guilt were liberated. And the people in the storm were led into a haven. Finally, the rougher the voyage, the more mariners look for port. The rougher the voyage, the more you want to be at home. And for a Christian, heaven becomes more and more a desired haven. Life for David over these last months and years has not been easy. With May caring for him, he suffered through them storms of physical weakness, but he had the assurance that his Savior would guide him home to a safe haven. So God brings his people to rest in heaven, their haven, their home. He stills the storm. The way becomes smooth and calm. The end of the voyage is serene. And death is like this ship smoothly gliding into port. The soul enters heaven. The safe haven. The port that was longed for beyond all the storms and all the tempests. An eternal home. We read those words in Hebrews. Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Many of you will recognize the verse from the, the BB. And we perceive this verse to refer to an anchor which has been dropped off the side of a ship onto the rocks below through the water to stabilize a ship. But this verse ha- would have had a different picture which we miss in our 21st interpretation and in our understanding of the sea, is actually a picture of a ship being taken into a safe haven. A ship in the first century when it would arrive at a port, particularly a difficult port, a small boat would have been launched from that ship. It was called a forerunner. It would have entered the port with a light rope which was still attached to the ship. When the forerunner docked on the on the harbor, the rope was used to pull a heavy, strong rope into port, and then this was securely attached to the harbor wall. When it was secure, the crew aboard the ship turned the winch on that large rope, and slowly and gradually, with absolute certainty and assurance, pulled that little verse vessel, home. What a wonderful picture that is of what happened to David on Sunday. What a wonderful picture it is whenever David went home. He went home with the absolute assurance, absolute certainty of his destination because one had gone before him and assured him all of that destiny. And that person was a savior whom David Knox loved and served. The storm is over. The sea is still. David is in his safe haven. But if David was here today, He would insist that I tell you this. He would say, you can talk all you like, David, about the desired heaven in the sense of the end of our days. But he says, you need to know that desired haven today. You need to know it right now in our day-to-day living. And he would have said, make no mistake, he would have said it. The good news is this. That Jesus Christ died on the cross all those years ago and dealt with all the pain and stress and sickness of humanity. All of it was resolved by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And because of that we have the opportunity through faith to arrive in a safe haven. Listen to the psalmist. They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm. The waves are still. They are glad because they are quiet. He he guides them into their safe haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children. Of men.
0: Thank you, David. Now, just before we uh, sing our final hymn, I just want to say that um, we have a number of people here today who have travelled quite a distance. I should have said this at the start. Uh, Quite a number from Coleraine in that district. And we have Raymond and Colette, close friends of May's, who have travelled all the way from Dublin. They were great friends of David's. And uh, we're glad you're here. And I know that May appreciates it very much. We're going to uh, sing our final hymn. And then after we have done that, our brother Samuel Harrison will close in prayer and give thanks for the refreshments which will be served in the minor hall on my left, just through this door, and then up to the right. And I know that May would like everyone to stay and partake of the refreshments that have been provided. Thanks to Priscilla for playing the the organ for us today. And uh, again, thanks to everyone who has come along. Your presence here today is very much appreciated. Our closing hymn is Face to Face with Christ, my Saviour. Face to face, what will it be when, with rapture, I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face shall I behold him. Far beyond the starry sky, face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. And we'll uh, stand and sing this hymn after Priscilla has played the introduction.
4: just uh, bring our service to a close with a word of prayer Our Father as we close this service today we give you thanks for every remembrance of our dear brother and friend David Knox as we remember his faithful life of service over many years especially amongst the seamen who visited the port of Belfast and his faithfulness to the fellowship here in Carrickfergus We pray that we may take the heart to the example that David, through the life that he lived every day, from day to day, that we may take this as an example and apply it to our own lives as we live down here. And we think of these last number of years of David's life, when through the illness that he had, he endured it without complaint. And again, he showed the grace of God in his life through suffering. And so, our Father, we pray for his dear wife, May, and we ask you that over these difficult days and months that lie ahead, that you will be to her all that she needs and give her the grace to bear the loss of a dear husband and friend, David. We thank you, our Father, as we think of your word that tells us that the memory of the just is blessed, And surely, our Father, there are many many memories that we have of our dear brother David today. And so we thank you for his life and for his work and for his example. Now, our Father, we give you thanks as we uh, leave this place and we go for refreshment or make our way home. We thank you, our Father, for your goodness and your kindness to us and the temporal blessings of life that you give us from your good hand. And we thank you for this food that has been prepared and ask you to bless it to us. Now, as we leave this place, our Father, we thank you for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that this may be the cause of our comfort and our peace and our hope as we leave this service today in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.